Don't be afraid. It's only friendly fire. Hello everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Exploit It. I'm Alexis Jowski. And I am rising from the dead to wreak vengeance on, I don't know, pants. <laughs> That's a good thing, is any. I'm Kevin Daly. And this week we're talking about Uncle Sam, 1996, directed by William Lustig. Just when you thought it was safe to stand up and salute the flag, Uncle Sam is back. With a vengeance. A Kuwaiti military unit discovered a mass grave in the desert. They positively identified the body. Jody, stay away from the coffin. You never fought for your country. You just kill for the love of killing. Now, Uncle Sam has a contract on America. <gasps> Draft dodgers, watch out. Someone's been killed. Tax cheaters, beware. No one will ever burn another flag. Nobody will ever desecrate another grave. And no politician will ever tell another lie. And the July 4th weekend will never be the same again. From William Lustig, director of Maniac and the Maniac Cup trilogy, comes an all-new terror experience. <laughs> Uncle Sam. He's a red-blooded, all-American nightmare. Uncle Sam wants you dead. My note says eight, but I know for a fact it was 1996. Why did I write eight? Well, eight is a more uh, symmetrical number. Six. So we're gonna go with it. And this is a um, our Fourth of July special. Yes, as it were. Doesn't this just, movie just make you feel patriotic? Oh, y- yes. That's exactly what it makes me feel. Yep. Uh, William Lustig. He well, it's written by Larry Cohen. Wrote Uncle Sam. Yeah. Larry Cohen wrote and directed some stuff we've done before, like Q and The Stuff. Both of which are very fun movies. Yes, and him and William Lustig worked together on the Maniac Cop movies. But Maniac Cop 3 left a bad taste in everyone's mouth, so they're like, well, let's just make something totally different. And so they made Uncle Sam. Which is very interesting. Yep, Uncle Sam, by the way, we all know is that character from all the U.S. propaganda and became did a he, recruitment did he tool. Did originate in World War One or Two? I can't remember. One, I think it's one, right? Shortly after the War of 1812. Oh, Jesus, it's been around even longer than that. And they would use him for political cartoons to represent America. And um, there's, like, magazines of, like, here's Uncle Sam complaining. And then they used him as a recruitment tool in, like, World War One. They gave him, like, a, a character upgrade. Yeah, that, that was, like, when he became famous. Like, super famous. And it was so all over the place that uh, the Europeans during World War One they called America Samland. I mean, he is a very iconic. Whoever did the J.M. Flagg. Yep, J.M. Flagg. James Montgomery Flagg. That is that is an iconic image, if there ever was one. That reminds me, there was this satirical article today I read. Yeah. And it was political satire, and it was written by Flagg Eagleton. 
Oh, God. <laughs> that is quite a name. Yep. Now, there is a kind of myth that uh, Uncle Sam is based after a guy, a meat packer during the War of 1812 named Samuel Wilson. Uh-huh. And he, you know, would ship meat off to the war and everything was labeled U.S. And they're like, oh, it's from Uncle Sam. But there's uh, a lot of doubt to that story. Probably a, probably a, a urban myth, a tall yeah. tale, if you will. Um, so this movie, we have an Uncle Sam who is named Sam and he is indeed an uncle. Yep. And we start in Kuwait during Operation Desert Storm. June 14th is the date it gives us to be precise. Probably 1991. I can't remember exactly when Desert Storm ran. That's how I always think of it. Yeah, I think it's then. And I don't know when this movie takes place because they're like, oh, he's been like gone for three years. Yeah. So somewhere in 94, 95 takes place. And Sam Harper, Master Sergeant Sam Harper, he goes down with the helicopter's result from friendly fire. And this major and this other sergeant come up and they're looking at it. And because Sam is evil and undead, he, he kills them. Right. And says, don't worry, it's friendly fire. So we got the old uh, smart-ass uh, slasher killer. Yep. Incidentally, 25% of the casualties in Operation Desert Storm were from friendly fire. That seems uh, about right. Yep. Because it was, uh, it was not a super deadly war for our... <laughs> Our side. Yeah, it was like three-day war. <laughs> most most of it was us, you know, yeah, killing ourselves be for, because of dumb. Yeah, but that statistic was Larry Cohen's inspiration for writing this. Also, the term friendly fire, just such a soft term, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you fragged your teammate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's called fratricide. Too, apparently, which is a much harsher and probably the word that we should be using. Well, that's like if you do it on purpose. Which, don't get me wrong, some people do that on purpose. There are some psychos out there. That's the thing that you can uh, okay, you can get away with that too somehow. Oh, well, there's some mistakes. Uh, yep. Oopsie. You just oopsie. killed a hundred people. Oops. I hit the wrong they button. <laughs> they just happen to be all people you hated. I'm what a coincidence. Oh. So then after that opening scene, we get just big, bam, stars and stripes forever over the credits. And we get the Uncle Sam montage. Like, uh, the whole history of Uncle Sam. From, like, the old cartoons, World War One, all the way to just a series of jackasses at parades dressed up as Uncle Sam. Which uh, we will be seeing shortly. Yes, and it is just mainlining American patriotism. That is what the 4th of July is here in the United States, for our listeners who are not here. It is, it's a bit excessive. I'm going out for girls' makeover night on July 4th this year. That sounds much better. Yeah, no fireworks. I will be hiding under the couch because I am afraid, like a dog, I am afraid of fireworks. Oh, that's what my dogs are going to be doing. It's the end times, you fool. Let's save you a seat. <laughs> so, now it's July 1st. We're on a quiet street in a quiet town. Apparently it's called Twin Rivers. Which apparently is a real place in uh, New Jersey. I I wrote generic Midwest generic Midwest town name USA. Yeah, because it was shot in a generic Midwestern town. But apparently it's set in New Jersey, which I don't buy. I think it just happens to share a name with the place in New Jersey. Well, the uh, the filmmakers are from New Jersey. Oh well, then maybe it is. It doesn't feel like New Jersey though. It definitely feels like the Midwest. Yeah, it feels Texas. Yeah, Oklahoma, Utah. Yep, 
Not Utah. Uh, Ohio. I don't know what I'm thinking. My brain is fried today. <laughs> so we get this kid, Jody. He's like, what, 12, 13? Uh, yeah, probably. Somewhere around there. And he wakes up from a bad dream and breaks the picture of Uncle Sam. His Uncle Sam, not like the, the propaganda dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this kid's got all of the uh, all of the military toys and stuff. I don't know about you, but I went through a phase like that when I was his age. I didn't. Because um, I like the technology. I think they're kind of, I think, I still think the technology is kind of cool. But a waste of money, though it is. I had like four or five plastic army men that didn't get along well with the rest of my toys. <laughs> I used to build model airplanes and shit. Oh, I knew like all the specs of all the freaking. I actually was super into World War II planes more than anything. See, I was all about the Legos, the medieval Legos, to be specific. Yeah, we had one set of that, but I didn't really. I did play Legos, but not 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 as much as you'd think. But Jody is totally, like, in love with Uncle Sam and the military that Uncle Sam stands for. You know, he's telling his mom, like, I'm gonna be like Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam was wonderful, and his mom, Sally, is like, yeah, um, well, yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> so we get the idea that Sam's probably a piece of shit. Right. Meanwhile, we get Sam's wife, Louise Harper, who's cheating, by the way, with a cop. I mean, in her defense... He's been gone three years, missing an action. And presumed dead. Yeah. Um, and all she says is, he's been gone three years, and my note's like, like he's been missing, or he, he's just fucked off to do war for three years. Yeah. No, well, I mean, we know from the, at the beginning that he's <laughs> lol dead. Also, he's a shithead, as we find out, so. Yeah, she's getting her. custody of the body, because this major comes up to inform her this. Major piece of shit. That's my note. He seemed like such a nice guy at first. Yeah. Like, he seems like he's so genuinely concerned and responsible for this guy's death. Nope, he just wants some poon. Yeah, she's like, he's like, hey, he's entitled to be buried with full military honors. He was a hero. And Louis's like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and then we get some weird insert shot of Isaac Hayes as Sergeant Jed Crowley. Complaining yeah. that he's had too many jelly rolls. He's dressed up in his military uniform monologuing about dead comrades. Which, I mean, obviously he's he's important to the plot of the film, but this particular scene is not. Yeah, because it's random. It doesn't really have any relevancy to anything. It feels like this was part of a larger scene that was, like, cut. It could have been. Originally, this role was intended to be played by Tom Laughlin, Billy Jack uh, himself. Yeah. Billy Jack himself. I'm glad they went with Isaac Hayes. Yeah, I like Isaac Hayes. I like him in this movie. I think I think he does very well. Yep. Rip Isaac Hayes and sad times for the last part of his life where he kind of yeah. went into a, a very weird religious down spiral. So, Jody is so obsessed he makes his own military comics about Sergeant Sam Harper. I know. They're pretty good, too. Like, Yeah, good art. <laughs> yeah, he's talented. He is. But in the wrong direction, poor kid. U.S. military would love him for recruitment purposes. Oh, yeah. So Sally and Louise are talking. They send Jody, like, go get ready for school. And that's when Louise is like, hey, hey, Sam's dead. They had to, they're sending me his fucking body. And they're like, oh, my God. At least he's not alive anymore. Everyone knows that Sam was a violent, mean piece of shit at this point. Except Jody. Right, Jody has these, like, really fond memories of him. Yeah. Somebody from the army came by the house late last night. They found Sam's body. 
Oh, my God. For a minute, I thought that he was going to tell me that he was still alive. I thought about that so many times, about, about him coming in the house, walking through the door, and it all starting all over again. Why couldn't they have just sent a telegram? I don't know. They're arranging for the body to be sent back here. I don't know how Phil is going to react to all of this. Don't worry. He knows how you felt about Sam. I thought I'd almost forgotten the way he made me feel. The fear when I knew he was in the house and... Maybe I can still tell them not to send the remains back. <laughs> and Jody overhears this, but all the stuff about him being a domestic abuser goes over his head. All he gets is, Sam's dead? Well, and it's interesting because they had the option to send him off to, like, Arlington or some shit because he died, you know. Yeah. But for some reason, they choose to bury him in the fucking town anyway, even though they all hate him, which was very bizarre to me. And they bring the body to uh, to Sally and Jody's house, and they just leave the coffin in there. Yeah, just chilling. But meanwhile, Jody goes to school, and he's telling the class about his his Uncle Sam, who got shot down. And the teacher, Mr. Crandall's like, oh, yeah, mistakes happen. And, you know, do you want some impromptu show-and-tell here, Jody? Show off your uncle's medals? Yeah, no, and I think that's a good thing, because obviously the kid is mourning the death of his uncle. Yeah. And rather than just, like, force it, like, let him get his feelings out, you know? Like, we're studying multiplication, Jody. Sit the fuck down. I mean, that's what most teachers would do. I think... In a child psychology sense, it's probably good to let him, like, have a moment. Yep, it is good. And, um, Jody shows the, uh, the purple heart that Sam got for being wounded in Panama. And he asks the teacher, he's like, did you serve in the army, Mr. Crandall? And he has to admit, like, uh, no, I, uh, I protested the Vietnam War and I left the country. To where Jody's like, oh, yeah, my Uncle Sam said you guys were a bunch of pussies. <laughs> and the whole class has a good laugh. Yeah, well... <sighs> Vietnam was a bit different. Of course, Sam got to die horribly to his own people, so yep. him. And Jody is saying to himself, when I grow up, I'm going to go into the army just like Uncle Sam, and I'll do whatever the president says to do because he knows better. And I put here, cue the, the Star Wars Imperial March. Yeah. Because that is some Sith way of thinking there, kid. Well, I mean... Turn to page 84. I want you to copy these equations. Off the blackboard. When I'm grown up, I'm going in the army. Just like Sam did. And I'll do whatever the president says to do. Because he knows better. Especially when you haven't been around the person for a long time. Yeah, he hasn't seen Uncle Sam in three years. And you were, you know... And he was young when when he left, presumably. Yeah. At least years. And, you know, the human memory is fragmented. You start putting together things that aren't all there. You start cutting out the bad parts and merging the good parts mixed with, like, myth and what you think should be. And, you know. And that's what it is, because they bring the coffin in and major piece of shit is there. And Jody is just like, I wanted to help carry him. He was my uncle. He was the only one around here who did anything important. You know, and in eight or nine years, I'll be able to enlist. So I guess that makes him like nine or ten, right? Yeah, even though he 
really does come off more like twelve thirteen. Yeah, the, let's see. The actor is probably. Oh, I can't even tell. But the actor was probably closer to that age. But oh yeah, <laughs> no information on this actor other than his name is Christopher Ogden. But he, uh, we get to see inside the coffin of Sam's burned up body, but dressed in uniform for some reason. Looks like the crypt keeper. Yeah, and he's breathing, and there's no explanation for why Sam comes back to life. No, and I, I don't like this. And not not that every movie has to have explanations for everything. Like, we don't have to go into a lot of detail. But usually when we're talking about bringing the dead back to life, there's some sort of curse. or he's a, I guess presumably he's some sort of spirit of vengeance. Could but be. But why, why specifically? That, that would require more more knowledge about what happened during the friendly fire incident, why it wasn't just some random happenstance, because you, I don't know. I think that they needed to have a little bit more exposition or at least some sort of reason why he might reanimate himself. Yeah, like maybe when they got shot down, they landed on the one voodoo camp of Kuwait. Or just maybe, you know, the I don't know. They, they some Some fucking... Hippies were messing with something, which is why he got shot down. I don't know. Then we get to see Sergeant Piece of Shit, like, at the hotel room, drinking his whiskey. And he's talking on the phone about his real passion in life is widow banging. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who's talking to. Somebody in the military is like, I love taking this position because I get to get all the widow pussy. Yeah, he's like, I'm batting 750 with the bereaved. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. Then we never see him again for the rest of the movie. <laughs> well, well, we do, but yeah. not a lot. At the very end, he pops up. <laughs> well, yeah. Sally is out with her boyfriend. You know, Jody's mom has her boyfriend, Ralph, coming over. And Ralph is... Ralph sucks. <laughs> Ralph is a interesting character, because he is kind of a shithead, but he's also right most of the time in the movie. <laughs> Kind of? kind of, shithead. he kind of a shithead. He gets away with being a shithead because he's just correct. You go, man, you're an asshole, but also kind of right. Yeah, because he's talking about his day at work. You know, as they're all eating dinner together, and he's like, "Oh, we won our court case. You know, against the IRS. We we buried them with paperwork." And Jody's like, "You cheated." To go taxes fund the government. The president loves taxes, and you're cheating the president. You're so un-American, Ralph. <laughs> Jody's the most lawful neutral character, like the history. Of- yeah. Like, don't. I'm, and my thought is, yeah. I mean, but don't hate the player, hate the game. I mean, he's making use of loopholes in the system. It's not cheating, but it is a. Uh, it, it's some assholery, but, uh, but you know, but yeah. the IRS also is pulling assholery all the time. So you're fighting fire with fire. Yeah, this is this is this is assholes cannibalizing each other. And while Jody's giving him shit, Ralph's like, "I'm playing Honest Abe on the Fourth of July parade float," which is just too much for for super lawful lawful neutral yeah. Jody, who's like, "I'm well, gonna." And he's doing the typical, "I don't want my mom dating shenanigans," you know. Yeah. So the mom's like, "Go watch TV." Jody says, "I'm not watching TV. I'm in mourning. I'm in the mood to celebrate tonight." We beat the government's ears off in court. That's great. Yep, the judge upheld every one of our tax shelters. (laughs) We would have been in real trouble if they'd done their homework, but of course the IRS sends down a couple of junior agents who've got a huge workload. They haven't got time to go over all the documents. 
we just wear them out by burying them in tons of paper. You mean you cheated them? Jody? I'm just smarter than they are, Jody. That's all. It's Ralph's job, Jody. He's very good at it. You see, Jody, nobody likes to pay taxes. But before you know it, the government is taking half of what you earn. We've just figured out legal ways of getting around it. <laughs> I'm finished. No, you're not. Hey, how would you like to join me up on the float in the parade on Thursday? I'm going to be Abraham Lincoln. Yep, I have been honest, Abe, for the last five years now. I even bought the damn costume so I don't have to rent it anymore. What do you say? No, thanks. I'm full. Can I go? Okay. But, um, turn off the TV by 9 o'clock, okay? I'm not watching TV. I'm in mourning. This fucking kid. Yeah, I know. But even then, where's because, like, Ralph and Sally, Ralph's trying to get in from it, and she's like, no, not with this dead body in the house. Yeah. And uh, Jody's playing with his, his army toys, and the army is killing Ralph. Who is played by Destro. Yeah, Destro is Ralph, and the whole army is killing him, and he's like, fuck you, Ralph! You're dead, Ralph! But I'd say that Ralph is Deathstro that uh, took the entire army to take him down. Yeah, that makes Ralph kind of a badass, Jody. Yeah, yeah, Jody. You, you turned him into a, a quite the an Avengers level threat there. Then he, he's got his dino pajamas on, goes downstairs to lovingly stroke Sam's coffin. This is fucking bizarre, kid. Yeah. How do you mention all these things? Like, yeah, this kid's. And then uh, the, they've got the funeral the next day. And we got Isaac Hayes, as Sergeant Crowley shows up, and fucking Jody's like, military person, and latches onto him. Like, because you're a soldier. But we also get a, a hint where he's like, Sam loved hearing your stories about the war. Crowley's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Like, yeah, I done fucked up. Yeah, he's got this ghost leg. Well, he's got a, a wooden leg, and so they talk about ghost pain. Yep, phantom leg syndrome. And um, Jody's like, I'm gonna be in the army. Crowley practically spits out his drink. It's like, don't fucking do that. Yeah, go get that idea. Keep out of the military. That shit's fucked up. Be a doctor. Save lives. You don't want to get home, sent home in a box. And Jody's like, everyone dies anyway. The best death is to die for your country. Also de ecorum es porfetriamore? Yep. It's fittering and honorable to die for one's country. Crowley is like, okay, look. You know, I didn't tell the the Sam's not like you and I. You know, Sam was a crazy kid. You know, like he was a crazy motherfucker. He loved killing. Yeah, he's a psychopath since birth. And you know, again, Jody's like, but that's what makes a hero is killing. And I love the line here that makes this really good commentary. Is Crowley's like, uh, there's no heroes, only crazy men that lose their mind in the middle of a battle. That's because uh, the world is run by sociopaths. I don't know if I should be in the Army, Marines, or the Air Force. You get that idea out of your head right now, boy. Things ain't like they used to be when we knew who and what we were fighting for. Hitler and Tojo and, and, and Mussolini. We knew what we had to do and why. Today is all mixed up. Nobody knows the whys and wherefore, Sonny. A smart boy like you ought to know enough to keep out of it. Be a doctor. Save some lives. Forget about killing. Somebody's got to be soldiers. You don't want to get sent back in a box. 
Maybe it's better than dying in bed. Everybody dies anyway. I guess you aren't gonna listen to me, are you? Did you try to talk Sam out of it? Unfortunately, I feel his head full of tales of glory. How we moved up from the beach and took those Korean bunkers out. How my sergeant died and I was given a battlefield promotion to take over the squad. Maybe I didn't tell him that I was the only one of nine men to survive. And then all of me didn't come back. No. Sam wasn't like you. He was an angry kid. He had to get it out of his system. I remember I took him hunting once, and it scared me. You see, he liked killing. Isn't that what makes a hero? Let me tell you something. There are no heroes, only crazy men who lose their mind in the middle of a battle. Every sane person's got his head down, trying to stay alive. But one lunatic runs out there, out of control, crazy full of hate, and if by some miracle he doesn't die, they pin a ribbon on him and send him home and tell him never to be crazy again. And then meanwhile in the funeral, Ralph is like, oh yeah, those poor boys in this bore for oil, they just died for nothing. Yeah, Ralph mentions that. He's not wrong, right? He's not wrong. But Jody goes, no! Fuck you, Ralph! I mean, at least maybe in World War II there was a good reason to fight after that. What, fuck Korea, Vietnam, uh, Iraq twice? Like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. It's just fighting, it's either fighting proxy wars or some boogeyman of communism or... Crowley lost his leg in Korea. Yep. Oh boy, communism. Yep. Just fucking American fear of not capitalism. Here is a brief question for you. When was the first time you tortured and killed an animal? If your answer is, I never tortured and killed an animal, that's horrible! Then go about your life. This ad isn't for you, and good luck paying for college on your own. However, if your answer is, I was seven years old, I skinned the neighbor's conquer spaniel alive! Reveling in Mitzi's cries of terror as I experience true happiness for the first time in my life. Then perhaps a career in the U.S. Army is right for you. Whether it's killing people for oil or dogma, the U.S. government is looking for capable young sociopaths to spread the American way of life to every corner of the globe whether they want it or not. No longer do you have to worry about going to prison for murder. We'll actually pin medals on you for it. And we've got the Montgomery GI Bill. So you can go to college for, I don't know, dentistry or some, some, it's murder for profit. And unless you're a boring, sane person, you'll love it. So don't waste your summer filling out pointless financial applications for college. 
or looking for internships, find your local army recruiter and start satisfying your bloodlust today! And so fucking crazy ass Jody is like up in his room. Anybody badmouths this country, you go right after them. No matter how big they are. People who don't respect the American way of life deserve to have their butts kicked. What is he now? Lawful. Lawful evil? Yeah, that sounds about right. Because he's like, America must be... If you're not American... And patriotic, you must die. Yeah, we joke about it, but there's way too many people in the country that feel that way. Oh, yeah, there are. Ooh, it's been a rough summer so far. American exceptionalism is a uh, is a bitch. And so now it's the 4th of July, like midnight, the morning of the 4th of July. And we get these scenes at the cemetery that are desecrating veterans' graves. They're, they're spray painting on them, and they're they're burning the flag. We got Sam's open grave there, and I guess Sam in his coffin consents on patriotic behavior. That's, uh, yep. Like, miles away, I can sense someone somewhere is not being very American, and he gets out of the coffin and goes out there. But I gotta take care of business now. Well, he takes a moment to stalk around the house in full uniform and sneak into it. Jody's room. He's gotta get his medals back. Yeah. Then we get, uh, randomly, this... Naked blonde woman. Yep. Just titties for fun. Yeah. And, and a peeping Sam, as it were. A peeping Uncle Sam. Like, he's just got a big rubber Uncle Sam mask. And he's able to look into and peep through this second floor window because he's on big fucking stilts. It's hilarious looking. And the girl totally knows who this dude is, even though he's in the costume. Yeah. Obviously, he's done this shit before. This is, he does this all the time. It's not even 4th of July. He'll be out there in Christmas, you know, with his Uncle Sam in the stilts, spying on naked ladies. <laughs> his girl's just like, get the fuck out of here. Stop looking at my tits. And you know, he runs away on the stilts, and she's screaming at him. And then here comes the real Uncle Sam, chasing after this pervy dude on stilts with, his, with these pairs of hedge clippers. The zombie chasing the giant cosplayer. It's a good set piece. I actually like it. (laughs) Well, I only promise that the kid doesn't even really try to get away. (laughs) Yeah, he smacks himself into a tree, though, because he's, like, ten feet tall. Yeah, but then, like, literally, the dude's coming at him with the hedge trimmers, and he's just like, what are you gonna- He's just, like, sitting there. He's not even, like, backing up. He's just, like, sitting there waiting. He's like, hey, man, I gotta wear this in the parade. Help me out. And then, what's wrong with your face? (laughs) And (laughs) And that put, put him over the edge. Yeah, Sam kills him with the hedge clippers, says, I hope you got an eyeful. Yeah. And he uses the clippers to chop up the Uncle Sam costume so he could wear it. Yep, he had to tailor it for himself. Yep, and he goes to those those kids desecrating the, the veterans' graves and burning flags, and he just starts fucking these kids up. I mean, these kids need to learn if they're going to fuck around in cemeteries, they've got to be prepared to fight the undead. So. Fantasy role-playing game 101. Yeah. Um, he spray-paints one kid's face, throws another one into the open grave where he breaks his leg. Really good practical effect on that. Oh, one, yeah, the, the compound fracture. Oof. That looks painful. And then he hangs another kid up from the flagpole by his neck. I'll give this dude credit. He knows how to bring the pain as he kills people. He does. 
then that when everyone's getting ready for the parade and we got some kid it's george washington that forgot the the hatchet for his cherry tree bit on the float so crandall's like oh i'll go get it and sam has taken the hatchet again you know he kills his teacher off screen but my note's like, why were they using a real fucking axe? That is an excellent question. For this elementary school float, they were just going to give this kid an axe? Well, see, that's the, again, if it's the Midwest, that makes sense. Like, you just give kids weapons, right? Yeah. Second Amendment, give the kid a real axe. So this, I mean, we're doing the traditional slasher movie trick. First deaths are people who suck. Yeah, well, I, I kind of think they're all supposed to be people who suck in, in Sam's eyes. Well, I mean, Sam's, but I mean, for the audience, like those those fucking punks in the uh, cemetery, kind Peep of assholes. I mean, none, none, yeah, none of those guys deserve death, but they're also kind of terrible, shedded people. So you're kind of like, eh, yeah. kind of get over it really fast. But then they start getting guys like the teacher and stuff, and it's just like, okay, now now you, well, you're starting to build, now you're starting to build the hate. The teacher was one of them fucking pussies that protested the Vietnam War. Well, that's in, in Sam's eyes. Yeah. Of course, Sam was, like, fucking five, so what the fuck does he know about Vietnam? So then Crowley fires the cannon that we will in no way ever see again. Nope. nope. Not once. Not once. That cannon is so unimportant. And then the parade's underway. And Jody is grounded, but he's like, fuck this. I'm not missing this. This, um, is, like, this is like Christmas to him. Yeah. And then we have the uh, this couple, the Cronins, and their son, Barry. Their scarred and paralyzed child. Very bizarre. Who was damaged playing with fireworks the year before. No, at the firework display. The, the, the city park that puts on. It's not like this kid was being a jackass with an M80. He went to go to the city's firework display. Something happened and now he's blind and paralyzed. Well, they seem to blame the other kids because Jody shows up and he goes, I promise I wasn't there. The kids were fucking around. Because, yeah, the mom's like, your friends did this to you. And I assume that means they were playing with normal, like, fireworks. So I'm guessing something else happened. They were probably dicking around near the fireworks display. But the mom, who's played by PJ Souls. Yes. From Carrie, Halloween, Rock and Roll High School. Yeah. They're dragging this kid, and she's like, "This we, we have to go to this so everyone sees what they did to you. Like, she blames everybody. And then we get this kid singing the national anthem at the at the Twin Rivers 4th of July Festival. And they bring up young Jesse Colbert to sing the national anthem. And he was one of the kids that was uh, fucking around in the graveyard earlier. And yeah. yeah, he's the one he's who the one got he, away. Yeah, he was the one who left early. Well, one of the two that left early, but one of them went back. The guy got strung up was the one who went back. He sings the national anthem, and at first he's singing it like Roseanne, but then he's just doing screamo, and he's just intentionally fucking this whole song up. Yeah, he definitely gives a less than patriotic performance. And um, so they have to, like, drag him off, and, like, the mayor is like, We can still sing it, everybody! Oh, say, can you see? What's so perfectly well at the twilight? Let's play. That's right. Folks, uh, I think we can do a lot better than that ourselves. What do you say, huh? 
Uncle Sam is there, and he sees this. He sees this travesty, and he's like, Rage is building. And he goes up to Barry, you know, the kid in the wheelchair, who's also, for some reason, psychic now. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, I'm here to do what you want. I will make them all feel your pain. Even in darkness, you can see me. And then he just fucks off, and he's walking around waving and shaking people's hands. Just totally in character has an Uncle Sam. I mean, if you're super patriotic, like he figures most of the people at the parade are, uh, yeah. you're still your buddy. These are my people. I ain't killing these guys. These guys are pro-America. And then we also get Congressman Alvin Cummings, played by Robert Forster, who would later, he would go on to get nominated for an Academy Award the next year for Jackie Brown. <laughs> but here, but, uh, but now here, here he's this guy. He is corrupt as fuck Alvin Cummings. Yeah, everybody hates this dude. Yeah, he's their congressman, and he's just like, I don't know, embezzling and, you know, in the pocket of lobbyists. You know, all the normal corrupt shit politicians do. Even the super jingoistic town that this is hates this dude. Like, everybody hates this dude. And so Ralph is in his full-on Honest Abe conversation talking with Crowley, and Crowley's like, I didn't really like that kid doing the national anthem. And Ralph's like, relax, nobody knows the lyrics. I'll give you 50 bucks if you can recite the lyrics right now. And I'm like, um, every American kid can do that? It's like fucking pounded into our heads throughout our whole lives at school and sporting events. Like, everyone in America fucking knows that song, Ralph. His second verse, though. Oh, the other, and then the third verse with, like, the weird thing that people think might be racist. There are actually four verses. Yeah. So if you're talking about literally being able to recite the other three that we never sing, then yes, nobody can do that. Yeah, nobody can. <laughs> By the way, Francis Scott Key, he he's like, Francis Scott Key never wrote another hit. And that's why I'm like, let's take a moment here. That Francis Scott Key, yeah, he wrote The Star-Spangled Banner, and he, you know, the poem. And then he noted that it's to the tune of Anasaran in Heaven, which do you know what that song is? Well, you know the tune, obviously. Isn't that like a pub song? It was for a gentleman's club in London. Yeah. It's like their theme song when the girls would come out. So, <laughs> this dude has been spending a lot of time in the fucking, in the in the strip club. Yeah, and he used to- It's like, you know what? I'm inspired to write this patriotic song, but the only song that's stuck in my head- Yeah, he saw the Battle of like- Fort McHenry and he's just thinking of that song. It's like it, it would be like if I'm sitting around, like watching the war of in the war of eighteen twelve, watching like a battle, and like man, I'm feeling really patriotic. But all my brain goes, "Hey, I just met you." <laughs> and this is crazy. <laughs> and I'd write the fucking song to call me maybe. That's literally what happened here. <laughs> then uh, Francis got key. He owned slaves, and he fought hard to maintain the practice of slavery. Of course he did. And then he became a district attorney. And he, like, targeted abolitionists. And, like, there was this one guy that had, like, anti-slavery literature that was used as packaging for a package he received. 
like they they just happen somebody happened to use the these slave newspapers to wrap up you know up dishes or whatever fucking key went after this dude for possessing seditious libel and um lost by the way and then it pretty much ended his career yep well he's kind of an idiot i also don't even like the song like just ignoring oh, yeah. just ignoring the and incidentally, the U, like not constitute like the U.S. aspects of it, whether or not you feel particularly like patriotic, I I usually don't. But I just don't like it musically, like the way it's written. Just I just don't like it. And then, um, Francis Scott Key's grandson was arrested in 1861 for being a Confederate soldier, and he was executed. And guess where? Was it Twin Rivers? It was Fort McHenry. Oh, McHenry, <laughs> the fucking. The fort that Star Spangled Banner was written about. I like that. Poetic. Yep, but back to the film. Crowley bumps into Uncle Sam, and there's a moment of panic, like he might recognize him. Um, but he doesn't right away. And then we get some girl making ribs with that <laughs> meat cleaver. That's where I had to pause the movie to go eat. Those fucking fuck, ribs look now. good. Like, fuck, I'm hungry now. All right, I'm taking a break. Yeah, and she leaves her cleaver behind that we stare at, and we're like, oh yeah, we know where, where that cleaver is. We've seen enough of these movies. Yeah, we know. That's that's getting used soon. And she goes off to smoke a joint, but then gets busted by a cop. Yeah, I think that's the boyfriend, too. Yeah, right? it is. It, it is uh, Jody's aunt's boyfriend. Louise's boyfriend. Yeah. He keeps all the joints for himself. Right. It's not legal yet. It's 1996, remember? Or five, or whatever it is. It's set. 96. Well, probably 95. Whenever it's set. Not exactly sure what part of the early 90s. I don't think it's, I don't even think it's medicinally legal anywhere at this point. But then she comes back and she's like, hey, the cleaver is gone. You don't say. Then we get that fucking sack race. Yeah, it's that kid who sang the the national anthem. Yeah, well. And, and, yeah, sorry. Well, first Continue. it's like regular sack race, but then it like goes over all this fucking crazy terrain. Yeah, it's like a long sack. It's like sack rally. Yeah, it's like the, the mile-long sack race. And it, this fucking kid is just, like, knocking people over. It's, it's fucking death race out there, but potato sack style. Yeah, he's not even hopping in the potato sack at some points. He's just running and shoving people. I guess there are no rules in potato sack races. As long as you stay in the sack, all, all bets are off. And no the, holds barred. He falls down a hill. And lands behind this truck, and there's just some fucking random guy getting a blowjob from a girl in that truck. Right. And they like never look comes up, up again. They look never up. What was that? Again. And she goes back to sucking. See, Sam. And that's it. Sam feels that's patriotic. Yeah. He, he looks on that that truck blowjob and goes, "God bless America." That's right. Where else in America can can a redneck get head in a in a beat down pickup beat a pickup truck? truck yep. in the middle of an orchard nowhere that's here but meanwhile the, the fucking cheater in the sack race fuck him sam goes and like one swing of the cleaver fucking beheads this kid yeah i mean he was gonna kill that kid for his national anthem performance anyway but like man what the that's a very clean decapitation with cleaver right yeah cleavers are not known for their uh fine cutting edges in fact, when we saw the girl using it to cut ribs, it took her a couple whacks each time, you know? I guess when you're a super strong, undead monster, you know, even the flattest of edges become razor sharp. That wonderful time of the year when we celebrate our fine nation's independence is coming up. What are your plans? 
Are you just going to get salmonella from eating your own undercooked barbecue while setting off cheap fireworks in your driveway? Lame! Instead of being a boring tool again this year, why don't you just bring the family down to the city park for the Twin Rivers 4th of July extravaganza? We've got everything a good 4th of July celebration should have. We've got cheeseburgers, and ribs, and games, and a sack race. Do you like Uncle Sam? We've got 15 Uncle Sams coming to this thing. One of them on stilts. Someone will sing the national anthem, and we're bringing the fireworks back this year. Now I know some of you are concerned, but we wouldn't since last year we burned a child with our fireworks, but don't worry. That kid actually got psychic powers because of his disability. It's like we made a crippled Avenger. It's all good. This year is going to be the best because our fireworks show includes our own Congressman Cummings. We're going to strap that corrupt motherfucker to a trellis and set his ass on fire. The whole town will cheer, and you're going to love it. Come on down to Twin Rivers 4th of July Festival and enjoy the good times. Ralph, uh, oh wait, no, we get the BB gun first. Because Sam goes to like the, this little shooting range they have with like a BB gun. Oh yeah. And he's an amazing shot, of course. And he steals the BB gun. Yeah, he's just like tearing it up and the guy's like, Dude, it's a fucking brother. Like, don't have to to wreck everything. And he appa- makes off with the gun. And apparently kills Ralph. Yep, Lincoln style. Yeah, shoots him in the the head just like he, he John Wilkes Booth. He boosts him, and uh, yeah, Ralph's dead. Yeah, and they find the body. So there's like, but they don't cancel this the festivities. Right. See, this is the first time they found found a body. Like, technically, he killed that other kid first, and the teacher, but they haven't found them yet. Yeah. Well, but, he's uh, also Ralph, killed others by this point, too, that we will find out later. Right. So many kills off-screen in this movie. Not a big fan of the off-screen kills. Yeah, and so, um, you know, Jody's mom, Sally, is really sad because her boyfriend's dead, and Jody's like, oh, fuck. Fuck Ralph. He was a crook. Glad he's dead. Yeah, it's- Jody is a fucking asshole. And he goes, if Sam was around, he wouldn't have let this happen. Sam was a hero. Uh, Sam caused it to happen. Yeah, they're like, well, you know, Sam did some bad things. Oh, no, you're lying! And they're like, we we have to tell the kid everything. Yeah, because they've been evasive about it. Because, again, this dude's like nine, eight, nine years old, nine, ten years old. If Sam was around, this would never have happened. He would have nailed the killer and broke both his arms. Jody, your uncle wasn't a superhero. Life isn't a comic book. He was too a hero. Why do you always put him down? Maybe because he did some very bad things to us. Like what? Well, why don't you tell him? He's too young, he wouldn't understand. Why wouldn't I understand? Look, I don't want to discuss it, okay? Because it's a lie? Look, why don't you let me tell him? He's got to find out sometime. Louise, you're exhausted. You don't know what you're saying. But I do. If we don't do something, he's going to grow up just like Sam. I am going to be like him. And they're like, okay, kid, sit down. We got to talk. Oh, I did miss that. My my thought was when the mayor wants to continue going on his business as usual, usual, even though there's someone that literally just died. Yeah. 
he wins the Jaws Award for inappropriate continuation of festivities. Oh, yeah, just like the mayor of Amity. But yeah, they sit Jody down and they're like, look, Sam was an absolute piece of shit. He physically and sexually abused the both of us, you know, and he was awful. And uh, and, and Sally admits, man, I was actually really happy when he got married to, <laughs> to go off and not <laughs> not molest yeah. me anymore. And um, <laughs> just passing it along to her. Now they're they're close, obviously. She's like, but. I could have warned Louise about what he was doing to me since I was six years old. And they have their cry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And Jody's like, okay, I'm sorry that yeah. happened to you. He takes it very well. Like, shockingly well. They say a line here of, he fought a war in our house all our lives and we were the losers. And I'm like, this is a Lifetime movie now. It, it did just become a Lifetime movie. <laughs> and then the cops yeah, said... Sam, yeah, Sam's a piece of shit. Like, a horrible human being. Yeah, so they uh they send Jody away because the cop's like, oh, we, we found another body. Presumably the, the sack race kid. Because we immediately go to the, the girl that's running the smoker. Yep. And Sam pops up and just fucking stuffs her head in there. Yeah, along with the decapitated head that he's been grilling real nice, low and slow. Yeah. And I'm like, how was this girl unpatriotic? What did she do? Uh, I guess he must have had a had a hint that she was smoking the reefer. Yeah. It's un-American. It's marijuana from Mexico. So, Blind Barry knows what's up. And he's like, giving his prophecy in his wheelchair. He's like, others have been killed. Others will be killed. And as they're calling up Congressman Cummings to announce the winner of the cooking contest, they can't find him because guess what? He was uh, he's he he might have been strapped to some fireworks. Yeah, they fucking strap him to this trellis of fireworks. Well, not they, Sam. S- Sam, because even Sam hates this guy. Yep. The mayor is like, "Hey, we've got safety, so we don't have a repeat of last year's tragic event," and the entire town just looks at Barry. <laughs> so they unveil the, the 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 festivities, and do they notice that it's the congressman fucking tied to it? I know the one cop does. Yeah, he does, but not in time. I don't think anybody else notices because these fireworks are going off. This dude's screaming and blowing up, and everyone's just like, "Woohoo! Such neat fireworks!" And the cop doesn't even make it in time because Sam impales him with a flag. Yep, Sam is waiting for him. Why? Who knows? Barry's giving his prophecies to, to Jody. He's like, it is your uncle, Sam Harper. He is not dead. This is, I'd like to point out, the second year in a row we've had a 4th of July movie where someone dies impaled on a flag. Yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah, we'll and, to find another and, one. And, and the fireworks. <laughs> yeah, we gotta find another one for next year. Yeah, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there is one. It's a very specific thing to Google, though. <laughs> Potentially dangerous. So Crowley comes up and he's helping Jody and Barry and they're like, hey, hey, Crowley, um, Uncle Sam is in the Uncle Sam costume. And they're like, oh, I guess he just got out of the coffin. Yes, yes, he did just get out of the coffin. And Uncle uh, Crowley has this line about like, I kind of thought it was him when I bumped into him because I could sense the evil <laughs> verbatim from Maniac Cop 3. Uh, see, I haven't seen any of the Maniac Cop movies, which we probably will. Oh, yeah, we will at some point. Those definitely fit the bill. And so, let's see here. So they go to the house to, like, double-check the coffin to see if Sam's really up and about. And so they open the coffin, and it's not empty. No, Sergeant Widowfucker is in it. 
Yeah, he did. And they're like, okay, well, where's Sam? Then Barry the psychic is like, he's gone to get his wife back, which is exactly what he's done. Right. And for some reason, Crowley has decided to drag Jody and the the psychic- Well, he tries to leave them, but the kids insist, and he's just like, fuck it, fine. Uh, But but Jody does tell Barry that, like, Jed's gonna handle this. He's a real soldier, to imply that Sam is full of shit. He's he's finally realized Sam is fucked up. Uh, And it's true, Crowley is a real soldier, but he's also old, missing a leg, and fighting vengeful undead. He's a- He's he's a little bit a uh, little bit punching above his his weight class here. Yeah, because Jed goes in, Sam's there, and he's taking the mask off, and he's like, "Hey, look, this is what you made of me." Jed is like, "Yeah, you never fought for your country. You just killed for the love of killing." And then uh, uh fucking Louise comes in with the gun. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, my poor grieving wife, do you still love me?" And she just unloads the gun into him. I appreciate that there's, like, no hesitation. She just starts to shoot the shit out of him. That answers the question, Sam. Now, the bullets do nothing. No, they do nothing. And Jody's like, Jed, get the cannon. We kind of need a bigger gun. And he goes in to talk to, um, to Sam. Sam's like, I came back for you, Jody. And Jody's like, I wanted to be like you. Well, you have to be dead first. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I thought you were a hero, Sam, and now you're here killing Americans. I was proud of you. You were like a hero. And now you're killing Americans? Americans. These are the same people that left me to die in the desert. Well now, now they've got to face me. Your Uncle Sam. That actually, it's interesting. That implies that he was not, in fact, dead when the plane, when the helicopter went down. Yeah, that maybe that helicopter was there for three years before they they sent people out to find the body. This is like alive, but in the desert with the downed helicopter. That would definitely make you want to come back from the dead and kill people. Jody leads Sam outside to where they they shoot him with the cannon, you know, which is awesome because it carries him right through the fucking window. Yep. Yeah, and he's on fire walking up to them and... Then they set the cannon off again, and it's a big explosion. Excited Michael Bay noises. Very excited Michael Bay noises, because the director wanted this this explosion to be like up to 11. Yeah, it is quite an explosion. And it took them all day to set this up. And um, they, they finally, like 2 a.m., they do this scene, and they set off this explosion. Whole fucking town, like within a mile radius, busted out the windows of the houses. <laughs> A uh, fucking shockwave broke thirty th- the windows in thirty three houses. Well, I'm sure the production's insurance uh, <laughs> so happy to pay for that. Oh, in the newspaper the next day, there's a picture of a woman pointing at the broken glass in the baby's crib. Jesus. And so the the town <laughs> Bill Lustig and his crew got just kicked the fuck out of town, and there were legal proceedings. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm sure the production was insured, and their insurance had to pay out fucking who knows how much, a lot. But they had to beg the town to let them come back and finish like the pickup shots they needed to get. <laughs> and so it's like the next day or so, and Jody actually looks even more mature now. He, he's 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 growing a bit here as he's tossing all of his military toys into the trash. Yep. And Sally's proud of him. It's like that kid at the end of Deadly Invasion throwing away the bee costume. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Jody turns to the camera 
and he we freeze and that the screen crashes into into pieces and we get that this film was dedicated to Fulci for some reason. I, I think did he die that year? Oh, uh, probably. Chio Fulci, yep, died in nineteen ninety six. Well, I mean, you know, the definitely the Uncle Sam corpse guy has you know some Fulci vibes to it. So, I, you know. And then we get this. Uh, the credits are going in it. There's a poem. We don't get a song. We get a dude reading a poem about the military and how like kind of how bad the military is, and everyone yeah. shits on the soldiers. That poem was written and read by William Smith, who plays the major at the beginning of the movie that finds Sam. Huh. He wrote this poem, and he's like, "Hey, let me read it in your movie." Weird. And did you get the post-credit scene? Oh, or it's just like a random outtake. <laughs> a random outtake. Falling off the fucking stilts. <laughs> the crew rushing out. I mean, that was funny, but I have no idea why it was there. It's like, hey, we got this bit of footage. It's pretty hilarious. Let's watch this dude hurt himself, and we can all laugh at him. Yeah, that's pretty much why they did it. So, um, where do you put Uncle Sam on the coffee scale? I, I would say it's better than both uh, Midnight Lobster Shop, Lobster Truck, and uh, 9 p.m. Taco. I think I still take the 6 p.m. Uh, coffee, though. Yeah, I place I think, it about the same. I take yeah, the 6 I mean, p.m. donut shop, but I take this movie before the 9 p.m. taco shop coffee. Yeah, it's got problems. It's got good practical effects. Uh, it's an interesting idea, but they don't set up the character enough. Like, I have problem. I have. I really with more explanation, and and maybe now the part that he talks about, they left me to die, and maybe if we had a little bit more explicit of the fact that they're just like, oh, our guys went down, eh, fuck them, then yeah, okay, maybe it makes sense that he comes back to life. Like a, that, that makes him kind of a spirit of vengeance. He was abandoned by his country. Like, okay, I get it, but they don't really go into that. Actually, the ending is anticlimactic. It's like. And, yeah, he gets blown up by cannonballs. Shit explodes. Kid burns his toys. The end. I would actually place this at, um, yeah, it's better than the 6 p.m. donut shop. This is the 8 p.m. shot of espresso you have when you're pre-drinking, -drink and you know you're <laughs> going to need the caffeine because it's going to be a long night. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. It's too many kills off screen. It's a competently shot movie, though. Yeah, um, it went direct to video. I would have been. I wonder what would have happened if this was in theaters because we were around at the time. I probably would have seen this in theaters oh, if I'd known you, it existed. I wasn't a huge horror movie buff in '96. I was 16. You would have been right in the uh, the sweet spot for this yeah, movie. This was when Scream came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You almost certainly would have seen this when it came out. Yeah, but no, it went uh, direct to video. Um, score is fine. Like I like it when my slasher villains. Are like wronged somehow, you know, you know, unjustly killed, and then they come back from the dead in vengeance. Well, technically, a, a, he's unjustly killed, but he's also a piece of shit. He deserves yeah, to stay a, dead. But I mean, you have, you know, you have like like Jason Voorhees in Friday the Thirteenth. Like that kid didn't deserve to drown. Like, yeah, it's like so you feel like obviously he's a killer. He needs to be stopped. But it's one of those sympathetic villains. You're like, man, but I understand, but also. Like those that make, I think those make the best like villains in movies, and, and especially in slasher films. It's just like feel sorry for that dude, but you know he's going too far. This guy's just like, yeah, he's a psychopath in life. He's uh, just as bad dead. So yeah, there's not a lot that's uh, terrible with the movie. I actually like the political social commentary it has, even though it's a little too heavy. 
Yeah, it's not particularly subtle. I mean, but I mean, yeah. Uh, l- look, we fight a lot of bullshit wars, and we uh, waste you know a lot of soldiers' lives. And then there are a lot of soldiers or like this dude who just want to go out and kill people. But there's a lot of them that are like Crowley, who just like, well, you know, I'm just trying to get by and survive. Yep. And I think we, I think we as a country, even for those of us who think that we are too involved militarily and spend too much in the military, I think a lot of people are a little bit too mean to veterans. Because a lot of times it's not the veterans' fault, but everything else, you know. We have socioeconomic things, the military targets poor people. It's like, oh, you can join the military, pay for college, and we'll, you know, we'll put you at room and board. All you have to do is sign on for a few years. It's like an exploitation in and of itself. So yeah. I I think that even for, and that's one of the things that always bothered me about Vietnam protests. It's like, yeah, the war sucked. Like Vietnam but Don't sucked, take it out on the people that were drafted to go. Right. Yeah, don't take it, you know, the soldiers coming back who survived this hellscape. Average time of life was measured in minutes. Give and me- these few guys who came back and you're taking it out on them. It's not their fault. I'm sure a lot of people think I'm a bad, you know, bad left-leaning individual because i'm not like totally anti-soldier but i think we got to separate the government that that creates the soldiers and abuses the less fortunate populations to create soldiers and the soldiers themselves i mean obviously there are shitty ones but i feel like a lot of them are molded and i think this movie kind of shows a little bit on both sides and i think it talks it a little it talks about kind of the bullshit and it definitely points out the stupidity of nationalism i have an issue not just like american patriotism because i i have an issue with that but just nationalism in general this xenophobic us versus them mentality that a lot of people have is just so fucking stupid to me oh it's terrible it's gotten worse lately it's kind of like world war one levels of nationalism yeah i mean that was that was really the start of it if people don't really realize that there weren't countries in a traditional sense up until roughly yeah turn of the century Mm -hmm. national identity wasn't really a thing i mean certainly you had kingdoms and empires and people living this but they for the most part didn't really view themselves as like oh i'm english or i'm american or i'm you know whatever mostly more more locally focused but there is a difference between patriotism and nationalism i feel because nationalism is my country is better than your country right and patriotism could be just, I like my country, period. You right. Know, bringing um, down other countries, you're not saying you're superior, you're just saying, I like where I live. I appreciate my personal history without denigrating others. Unfortunately, those the two of them have bled together so thickly they're essentially one color now. Yeah. It's, where, it's hard, to, hard to separate the two because of you know strong nationalist sentiment. Yeah, you get those cringy people without have seven different American flags flying from the back of their truck and all yeah. kinds of bumper stickers. That's pretty Yeah, cringe. I just, I mean, hey, it helps to know who, uh, who, who who's a jerk, right? Yeah, a neighbor you know, that has all that stuff on their Toyota Corolla. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah, that's that's some cognitive dissonance. Um, I don't know. I, 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 th- I think we, first of all, we it obviously never should have been that way, but it definitely at this point, Pandora's box has been open. They really, the idea of nationalism really can't continue to exist because we have too much contact with people from other countries. This isn't like it was a hundred years ago, where you may not have even met somebody 
or being like, oh shit, there's a country, you know, in Europe that I've never heard of. Meanwhile, I could probably find a stream of somebody from that country right now. Yeah. And hang out in their chat and talk with them. It's the, the world's too small now with the internet. The pan, like I said, Pandora's box has been opened. The cat's out of the bag. You know, this is going to be a global society, whether people want it or not. And then you have people that are just just horribly resisting it, that are even running for office on a nationalism ticket, essentially. And ultimately, it's just delaying the inevitable and causing more problems than it should. We need to find a way to... You know, look, a world government is never really going to work because everybody's too different. Their thoughts and ideas and their cultures are too different. But we need to find some way to integrate within ourselves... In such a way that we get along and not have this sort of, like, sports team mentality towards countries. Well, the the solution before was World War One and the creation of the League of Nations in the aftermath of that. Yeah, but that also followed with, hey, we're blaming Germany for all of this. Let's desiccate, <laughs> let's de- desiccate, yeah. desiccate their economy. It kind and, of turned uh, into every country is great except for Germany. Which uh, caused its own problems. Yeah. Um, so... Be a little bit, uh, a little bit more careful about about that sort of thing. But we're definitely in the world now where you know hiding is hiding in your own little backyard isn't going to do it. So we have to be friendly with other countries. We can't just be like we're the best and wave our dicks around like you know. But, I mean, um, look, I, I know all the bombs and bullets and guns are shaped like dicks, um, but that doesn't mean we need to be waving it around. On those uh, depressing notes, there our bonus. It's a different patriotic film. Yes. Rocky Four. A personal favorite of mine. Yes. Mine too. It's a patriotic Rocky movie. It is, it is a very patriotic Rocky movie. And the next week we start in on one of my favorite directors, David Dakota. I know you're a big fan. I'm not actually, I'm familiar with, with his work. I am not, uh, I am not super, I have not watched much. But oh, I well, you'll get familiar because we're, we're, we're hanging with him for a couple weeks. I, I'm excited, because it'll be fun, I think. Yep. And so, that was our episode on Uncle Sam. Sorry I hope for you bringing enjoyed everybody it. down. <laughs> yes, Sorry sir. for bringing everybody down with my uh, my diatribe about uh, about globalism. But hey, you know, We're just a bunch mind. of filthy leftists over here, aren't we? I, I know. <laughs> it's funny, as I get older, I get, <laughs> I get lefter and lefter. So, big special thanks to Martha Page, William Wright, Fluffy Devil, and Contributor for the bonus content heard during this episode and the bonus episode. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what we do, make sure to leave a review and let others know. Help get the word out. For more episodes, follow us on Twitter at Podcast Exploit or contact us at exploitapodcast at gmail.com. So join us for our bonus episode, Rocky Four. Catch you then.